Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19, we suggest that citizens stay home and watch the commissioner's meeting live on our QAC website at www.qac.org live or on QATV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7, and now also on Channel 507 for high definition. To maintain social distancing, seating will be limited to accommodate social distancing guidelines. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We acknowledge your participation, and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, please sign this uh, the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. During the meeting, we would ask you to turn all electronic devices off and hold personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If you can please remain standing for a moment of silence for Queen Anne's County Goes Purple, the Drug-Free Coalition, and mental health awareness for all those suffering from addiction and, and uh, mental health. Thank you very much. Okay, we just held a closed session under Section 3-305B1 of the General Provisions Article to discuss boards and commissions, and I believe we did reach consensus on a few board appointments. Uh, first, we had the Commissioner on Aging Board Member appointment. Can I get a motion on that? You want to you read them? And I, I can. Yeah, so we had the uh, list. Um, Kelly Johnson for the Commission on Aging. Can I get yeah, a motion? And you've got the terms? Hold on. Let's Let's that was to begin effective immediately and end on December 31st, 2022. I move to appoint Kelly Johnson to fill the remaining unexpired term of, on the Commission of Aging to begin effective immediately and end on December 31st, 2022. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, our second one is the Agricultural Land Preservation Advisory Board, and we have... Uh, William J. Kimballs, the fourth. Yep. I make a motion to appoint William J. Kimballs, the fourth, to the local agricultural advisory board for a five-year term. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Next, we had the Animal Control Commission, and uh, I think there was a consensus to appoint Jennifer Nowalk uh, to a term beginning immediately and ending December 31st, 2021. I move to appoint uh, Jennifer Nowak to remaining unexpired term on the Animal Control Commission beginning immediate, effective immediately and ending December 3 1, 2021. Second. Second. Any discussion? 
Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Next up, we have the Housing Authority Board appointment, and I believe we uh, reached consensus on Tina Trice. Also, I move to appoint Tina Trice to the Housing Authority Board to fill a uh, remaining unexpired term to begin immediately and end June 30th, 2023. Second. second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. And one final appointment. We have the Spending Affordability Committee appointment. We have a, a reappointment of Ann McKinnon-Welsh and a new appointment, uh, Bernie Sadusky. I move to reappoint Ann McKinnon-Welsh and appoint Bernie Sadusky to the Spending Affordability Commission for a two-year term beginning in October the 1st, 2020 and expiring December 3-0 of 2022. Second. We have a motion to second. Any discussion on those appointments? I think we have to amend that because I think Bernie and he filling out a term, so he technically won't have that same term. What's that? Bernie's, filling Bernie's out a term? term? Correct. So his is not that date range, I don't think. It, it is. Uh, the oh, the it term is? that was, um, uh, John's was vacated up. by John Wilson, who was deceased, unfortunately, ended this month. Okay, so, so they both are going to run concurrently? Yes, they will run concurrently. Okay. That's just odd that we have two people running the same term because typically they're staggered but okay beautiful thing okay Good. all right any other discussion seeing none all those in favor signify by saying aye aye, aye. opposed so moved <laughs> all right thank you commissioners so that brings us to today's agenda the agenda for today's meeting september 8th 2020 and the regular and closed session minutes from your august 25th meeting and the minutes from your August 11th Sanitary Commission meeting were distributed electronically for review. Any additions or corrections? And we do have one desk item, uh, number seven, which is um, associated with action item six in the book. Motion to approve the minutes and agenda with the addition of action desk item number seven. Second. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Any other discussion on this? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. That brings us to press and public comments, I believe. Our first press and public comment section. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the County Commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. The Commission re respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. We ask as courtesy to the Board and our citizens that you respect the Commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name-calling when offering any critique. Okay. First one up is Gigi. Come on down. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, I'm here for two things. Uh, one, I just want to uh, thank you for the, the support that you've given to our businesses in Kent Narrows. Um, they are all open. Everything's going well. And uh, given the circumstances, we attribute a lot of that to the way that you allocated the CARES Act money and gave the grants out to our businesses, and we want to thank you for that. We understand um, by talking with our peers in the other counties that things aren't so good, and we're 
doing very well here in Kenton Narrows and in Queen Anne's County. So on behalf of the Kenton Narrows Development Foundation, I want to thank you for that. Um, I know I was supposed to say my name, my address as well. Is that necessary? Georgiana, Georgiana Winley, <laughs> Executive Director, Kenton Narrows Development Foundation. The second thing um, I wanted to mention is that uh, you're going to hear from the Economic Development and Tourism Group tonight, and we think they're doing a fabulous job. Uh, we're ex- especially pleased with uh, what's happened with the Visitor Center lobby. It is the front door to Queen Anne's County, and wait till you see it. It's, it's very well done, and we're looking forward to having that opened and staffed. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. That's all we had for, to sign up. If anybody's out in that hallway and would like to speak, now is your chance. Okay, then we'll close press and public comment. Thank you, Commissioner. Okay, that brings us to uh, our new business. First, we have the Department of Public Works. We have uh, Shane Moore with the Roads Division with a storage building bid. And here comes Alan Quimby, the Director of Public Works, with uh, Mr. Moore. Can I get a motion on the uh, action item number one, which is a storage building bid for the Department of Public Works Roads Division? I move to award the bid for the construction of the Department of Public Works storage building in the amount of $322,783.85 to Bob Breeding General Contracting of Denton, Maryland. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? I'm going to start this off. Okay, so... I'm I'm a little confused here. You had in the budget originally that this you guys had estimated this at two hundred twenty-five thousand. Correct. Okay, and and it's now three hundred twenty-two thousand. Correct. So about a hundred thousand dollars more. And I understand that we got additional funding by using CARES money for the DES project, and you're transporting that money over into this account. Correct. It's pretty good. Okay. That's, our, that's the suggestion, yes. Suggestion. That's the suggestion, which, And you okay. can see, and if you, there's some nice photographs in here of the building that we're, they're trying to um, yeah. replace, and I think they got their, their life, useful life out of this. Oh, no, I, there's no question about that. I, I, just, <laughs> I just had some, yeah. some, some yeah. monetary questions. Okay, sure. How? Basically, basically the, the original project was to reskin the building. Okay. We had an engineering analysis structurally done of the building. It is a steel building, steel pole, steel truss. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost to, to basically just barely get it by was over around $100,000. Mm-hmm. And to reskin it was pushing it, and the estimates we got was near a new building. So at that point, it was came to the, let's look at just getting a whole new building versus spending right. all that money in an old building. So this building doesn't have any bathrooms in it or, or any heat in it? or Strictly you know, storage. Just storage. So I guess I guess it's just the nature. I, I went and looked at the concrete slab. That's an 8,000-square-foot slab, that's 80 by 100, the, right? That's Yes, that's the, that's the price from the lowest bidder, yes. I just... $3.12 a square foot. I mean, the materials cost more than that. So there's, he, if he comes back and says, I, I made a mistake, you say, Too, sorry for your luck, and he has to fulfill yes. that? We, we had a pre-construction meeting on site. Everybody got to see it and see what was going on. The specs are very detailed. This is the price they gave us to meet that. Okay. I mean, because it's the, the materials cost more than what he bid it for. So I just, I'm curious about that. So I guess my question is for the rest of the commissioners here. So... Moving forward with this, which I'm, I'm all for, and getting this taken care of, and getting it taken care of with all the 
the ad alternate so that it's it's a complete building uh, runs it up to 322. Do we want to recapture the remaining money and put it back to the general fund and allocate it in other projects that we deem might be more? I mean, they're getting their building. DES is getting their building. This gives us $102,216 to put back to the general fund that we can reallocate somewhere else where we may have cut it. And it could very well go right back to them, but at least it gives us the option. We've had this in the past, in, the, in years past, where certain projects didn't cost as much and there was money left over and they decide to buy a, a Gator or a, another pickup and where I think that that should be decisions that we make. So, But I think, I think we have something coming up later this evening that where half of it can go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I that's, I mean, that's, Jonathan is, that's something. It would um, <laughs> fall into the capital budget. Correct. So it would be balanced in there and then you could use it for capital or you right. could transfer but we, right. we have a capital project. So I'm, right. I'm, all that's for a, it. I'm saying so, you know, to me, and that's not going to, because they, they had anticipated 225 and they're getting 322 and they're getting the building, a, a, instead of just skin, a whole brand new building, and it's leaving us with $102,000 a week can allocate to something else that might be more pressing. So I think it's a win for everybody around. So uh, I'm going to amend them. I'm going to amend them. the motion. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to. Amend the motion to say that the, the remaining fund balance in that account will be put back towards uh, into, into capital for the county. So second. 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 Okay, so we'll vote on that first. Uh, any other discussion on that? Nope. Seeing none, all those in favor of putting the remaining fund balance back into capital signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. And if there's no further discussion on... A move to award the bid of the construction of the Department of Public Works storage building in the amount of $322,783.85 to Bob Breeding General Contract in Denton, Maryland. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. One question before you leave. The courthouse. Where do we sit on the courthouse? I know that the one contract that we had, we gave the boot to. Is that correct? Is it? No, we, uh, we need to stop the work. Okay. So we've now got him... We think reined in, and we're getting ready to resume work on it. Okay, great. Thank you. I saw a little bit of plastic hanging off the building. I didn't know if he had started yet again or not. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank, right, thank you, commissioners. Any more? And this building is down where your your office is at TPW. Huh. Okay. We can cool. take you for a tour if you like. <laughs> There's some pictures. I mean, I've here. seen the lean-to out there, and I've seen everything else. I just never saw. I mean, that one, that first picture looks like it's right downtown Centerville, the way it looks. It was. That's where that building used to be, right on where the Centerville Municipal Parking Lot is. That's where it was. In my mind. We okay. moved it out to the public works yard yeah. many moons ago, and yeah. now we're going to put it to rest. I mean, I, I <laughs> thought this would be the new place for that, you know, the, the Thanksgiving Christmas dinner deal. So, but <laughs> better luck next time. Okay, moving on. All right, the second item they have tonight is a deed of dedication for Meadows Edge, Foxtail Drive, and Austin Way. Can I get a motion on that? Move to execute the deed of dedication for Meadows Edge subdivision. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this? And this is just basically they've got the road up to county standards, and now they're turning it over to you. And, yes. And it's, it's going to be your set the final it, point. It's all completed, construction, inspection, uh, signed by the attorney. We're ready to take it into our inventory. So I, got, I guess the only question I have is, is it's on Dean Road, and it looks like it's, you know, it's platted for more homes to go back in there. So 
that heavy trucks and everything while it, under construction, are they still going to be liable for any damages that's done to the road, or since it's turned over now, it's ours? It'll be turned over to be ours. Okay, it's ours. So if, if those trucks coming in and out damage it, damage it's, it, it we have, it's on us. Um, but it's I don't unlikely. really see too much damage coming from the trucks. I mean, they will bring in some heavy equipment for, for earth moving, but right. the earth moving trucks themselves won't be driving. I mean, constant. Are, you know, probably the constant road itself. Okay. So. Good. It's an asphalt road. It's it's four and a half inches thick. Oh, it is an asphalt yes. road. Oh, okay, I thought yeah. it was turned Yeah, our okay. specifications make sure that all the roads are built to handle any legal Maryland truck loading. Mm-hmm. So they're they should be fine for for that kind of action. For, for I just know that, you know normally on subdivisions they won't cap a, they won't put the final asphalt on there till everything's done and leave it looking pretty. Okay, yeah, so we're also signing. I believe this has gone to a, another owner as well. The next phase is by another owner. Oh. We're finishing out the project as it okay. is. Okay, okay. So this is a, a move to execute the deed of dedication of Meadows Ridge subdivision. Seeing no further comments, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you very thank much. You. All right, thank you, commissioners. Next we have um, public works agreements, uh, allocation, recapture, this is a request for an amendment for a time extension, and this, this takes us back about a year when we had um, extended four projects to um, get their um, plans together for redevelopment um, or have their allocations recaptured, and I'll let Mr. Quimby uh, explain this. They're seeking additional time to um, fulfill their needs for uh, completing construction. And this would include Mears Point Marina, Perry's Retreat, and Chester Haven Beach. Yes, Commissioner, you recall a year ago we uh, pretty much made them execute a public works agreement which both made this non, uh, the deposit non-refundable and also required them to put another 10% deposit on the anniversary if they had not started construction. And then, so just, just so for the public's knowledge, the anniversary is, is coming up very soon here. Well, two, two of them have passed. Right. September 3rd was on... One so that would have put them at 20% of their allocation? That is correct. What happened? No COVID. They've put that next 10% in. What were the next steps? They would have two years to get under construction. Right, okay. And if they didn't? Then they would have to come back and ask you for more right, time. Have to come back the public works agreement didn't address beyond that two-year period. So is, you know, and, and we have three separate projects here, so I don't know if we want to just do them all, you know, one at a time or if, if it makes that easier or if, I, I think the circumstances are going to apply to all three, so we. Can well, the only difference is the the uh, Chester Haven Beach is asking for something different. Yes. So, uh, you know that that's that's the one I'm a little concerned about. So, I don't know if anybody wants to make a motion here. And what, Alan? What what's your? I'm I'm fairly ambivalent about it, honestly. I mean, uh, Chester Haven Beach, they're willing to put up their ten percent extra ten percent right. now. They just right. want thirty six months after twenty four, and they're blaming it on the comp plan being delayed. Right. The other two both have changed owners, and they just feel they need six more months to place their right. second deposit. And I don't have a, that. I mean, I'm I'm good with that. Six more months is, you know, I just hope that. I, mean, I know Perry's retreat's been in a, in a revolving door, so, you know, so hopefully this it gets them off the ground. All right. Well, I'll read it off. Then I I, I move uh, to allow staff to negotiate amendments to the existing public works agreements for the Chester Haven Beach. Mears Point Marina and Perry's Retreat projects to allow for the time extensions as requested. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? And again, this is so two of them will be a six month extension. The third one, Chester Haven Beach, is what they're asking for is instead of in two years they have to be building, they want to be in three years. 
and that has to align with the comp plan, which is going to take about another year to be completed. So that'll put them at two years after that point, and I think that's fair. So, uh, any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstention? You? No. No, you are no? No, no, I'm, I'm okay with it. Okay, so 5 0. Thank you. Thank you. And the amendments would have to be executed by this board, so you'll see them. Excuse me? The public works agreement amendments will be executed by you, so. That's true. That's right. It'll come back. So, it'll come back one more right. time. Right. Yeah. All right, commissioners, uh, thank you very much. Our next item is a, uh, we had that public hearing yep. on the August 25th to discuss the uh, map amendment for the Wheatlands uh, property and also a, an amendment to the water and sewer but, plan. But if you don't mind, I'm going to well. I'd rather split these two up again. Yes. yes so and, uh, we'll start with the, uh, the, the backup. So I move to approve the text amendment to include the provision for a backup well at the Stevensville water treatment plant. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Just for the public's knowledge, I wasn't here last week, but I watched everything on TV. I saw all the testimonies for both these items. So seeing no further discussion, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Uh, the, now we'll go move to the, the second one. I move to approve the water and sewer service map upgrade for the Wheatlands property from S3W3 to S2W2. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion here? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. I think it should be duly noted for the folks that are watching that um, after that public hearing that we had two weeks ago, um, this office did not receive any more public comments regarding the issue. So, thank you. That's correct. correct. That's correct. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Alan. All right, commissioners. We have. Uh, if you want to flip over to tab three, we have um, six action items. One desk item, which goes with action item number six. Starting off, we have. Uh, Three proclamations. If we can uh, get a volunteer to read each of those, first one is. Do, are we bringing anybody safety. in for this? For the. I know that there's. I think someone from a DES. I mean. I don't know if they're. Oh, they're here probably for the. Well, the first one is declaring the public safety telecommunications yes. day. Right. So, so anybody's here for that? Okay. Please come on in. I got. There it. you go. Yeah, you can you pull. Go ahead, sit down. Pull, pull the other one up and just get each end of the table. There you go. There you go. You're fine. Beautiful. All so right. We have Proclamation 2038, declaring Public Safety Telecommunicators Day. Whereas emergencies can occur at any time that require police, fire, emergency medical, and search and rescue services, and whereas that the responding men and women arrive on scene of an emergency, the professional telecommunicators are not visible but work behind the scenes to provide a vital link to public safety services as part of the first responders team. And whereas each telecommunicator exhibits compassion, understanding, and professionalism each and every day during the performance of their job. And whereas telecommunicators are crucial to our county's emergency response and homeland security services, dispatching law enforcement, emergency medical services, firefighters, and other emergency responders 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And whereas the safety of our police officers, firefighters, and medical responders is dependent upon the quality and accuracy of information obtained from citizens and visitors 
who contact the Queen Anne's County Communications Center. And whereas professional public safety telecommunicators are a vital link between the victims and the first responders and are the first and most critical contact our citizens have with emergency services. And whereas public safety slash emergency telecommunicators serve as the single most vital link for our first responders by monitoring activities, by radio, providing crucial information, and ensuring their safety. Therefore, we, the County Commission of Queen Anne's County, declares Friday, September 11, 2020, to be the Public Safety Telecommunicators Day in Queen Anne's County in honor of the men and women whose diligence and professional keep our county and its citizens safe, signed by the commissioners of Queen Anne's County. I personally have had the opportunity to sit in the 911 dispatch center myself and spent several hours there at night just to see how those men and women operate. And I have to tell you, with the equipment and the technology, it's truly amazing to see how they, they work in action. And I would strongly recommend any of my fellow commissioners who not have that opportunity to sit there and spend several hours in that 911 center, I would do it. And that's being redone, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. All right. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You got it. Thank you. Excuse me. Next, we have uh, Proclamation 20-39, Pillar of the Month for September, Responsibility. Is anybody here from, uh, no? Who has that proclamation? What do you got there, Chris? What's it's yours? right in the book. It's here. It's, it's in, in the, the book. book. Yeah, library cards. <laughs> okay. Okay. Pillar of the Month for September 2020, Responsibility. Proclamation 20-39. Whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a character counts community, and whereas all citizens, including the American Heritage Girls, Maryland 0414, have been called upon to embrace the six pillars of character and incorporate them into their daily activities and to model these traits of good character, and whereas the character counts, pillar of the month for September is responsibility. And whereas all citizens will incorporate the value of their daily lives by taking care of their animals, completing chores at home, cleaning up after themselves, and listening to their parents. And whereas all citizens will show responsibility in school by turning in their assignments on time, taking care of school materials, and listening to their teachers. And whereas all citizens will show responsibility by taking care of county buildings and locations, and whereas all citizens will show responsibility by helping the elderly and those in need, and whereas all citizens will show responsibility <coughs> by picking up trash and cleaning up the county beaches and parks. And whereas all citizens will show responsibility by taking care of county playgrounds and equipment. And whereas all citizens will show responsibility by donating money and time to help each other out, including animal shelters and those who lose their homes to fire. And whereas all citizens will show responsibility by wearing their masks and staying six feet apart. And whereas all citizens will show responsibility by respecting our police and our laws and whereas all citizens will show responsibility by showing respect of others opinions and feelings and not talk behind their back now therefore we the county commissioners of queen Anne's county and the american heritage girls troop 0414 do hereby designate the character counts pillar of the month for september as responsibility signed the queen Anne's county commissioners and i think for once this one piece of paper says it all and that goes for kids, parents, and everybody alike. It pretty much covered everything that make this place a better place. So thank you for that proclamation. Thank you, Commissioner, as well. Yeah. For reading that. Yeah. 
Okay, next we have uh, Proclamation 2040, and this is the Queen Anne's County Area on Aging National Senior Center Month. Okay, then. Proclamation 2040. <laughs> All righty. This is for Margie? Oh, no, I'm kidding. So, whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging celebrates National Senior Center Month in September 2020 with the theme Senior Centers Delivering Vital Connections, and whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Aging Agency on Aging has continued vital services through COVID-19 while Senior Centers have been closed, and whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging Senior Center staff have assisted with many of the county's vital programs, such as school meal pickups, home-delivered meal deliveries, and packaging help, wellness calls, and more. Whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging celebrates National Senior Center Month by offering a virtual talent show, and whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging honors all senior centers members with a photo slideshow, and whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging supports the senior centers as programming moves to a more virtual and hybrid format for the future. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, recognize and appreciate all senior centers, staff, and members in honor of National Senior Center Month, signed the Queen Anne's County commissioners. And I will say that the Kramer Center, I never made it past the second door. First set of doors slid open, I went in, and the second didn't, they wouldn't let me in there. So they're on lockdown, and they're doing a great job, and... God willing that sooner or later that our seniors will be able to get out there and, and, and use more of the facilities. We, you know, I know everybody remembers uh, uh, pre-COVID the opportunity to tour our senior centers and, and, and mingle with the folks that, that use those centers and, and uh, how many of the different programs that, that they have there. And, and so, you know, it's got to be a big hole in their day when they can't go and do the things that they enjoy doing and spending that quality time with each other. So I sure hope this passes soon. Mm -hmm. If not, maybe we just pray to the unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All righty then. And on that <laughs> note. <laughs> All right. Thank you, commissioners. Um, action item number four on page four is uh, for Kentonera's Marine. It's a revised pedestrian movement <coughs> that was modified as a result of their phase two plan down there. This is at the hotel. So can I get a motion on that, please? I move to. You, oh, you got it? I move to approve the amended and restated deed of pedestrian path easement as presented to allow for public pedestrian access to various sidewalks, boardwalks, and walkways in accordance with the conditions of the Kent Narrows Marine LLC Phase 2 Site Plan approval. Second. We have a motion and a second. Is there any discussion on this item? Seeing none, <laughs> all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 5 -0. Commissioners, yep. item number five on page 14 is a request for a letter of support to replace the Dudley's Chapel roof. I move to sign the Dudley's Chapel roof replacement application letter. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? <coughs> Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item number six and actually seven. This is a... Um, the uh, a request to pave uh, the Bats Neck parking lot, Bats Neck Park parking lot. This is a quote uh, using the Department of Public Works bid to repave that parking lot, which is Tarnship, with two inches of hot mixed asphalt. And item seven is a budget amendment um, for that project, allowing for uh, 
uh, some use of fund balance. Yeah, and I to fund and them, just which, come on, Steve. So just so you know, my fellow commissioners know, I've talked to you all about this, and uh, originally I was telling you it was two hundred three thousand, and I was wrong. We had one hundred fifty thousand already set in the budget for it, so it's only fifty three thousand dollars, and that's what the, the budget amendments for. And this is for Bats Neck Park. Uh, Bats Neck Park is is our last major park that hasn't had the uh, curbs and or the parking uh, asphalt put in. It's stone right now. It's got old rotten wooden timbers. We've just replaced, or, or I won't say replaced, but we've just got done, or almost done with the bathroom renovation there. Correct? Is that, I mean, that's, Correct. so, you know, we're just trying to bring our parks up to, to the standard that I feel that the citizens want them to be at. And, Steve, you stuck me on this, you know, liaison, and so... <laughs> You know, I, I can't go into these places and look at them and say, no, we can do better. So we are doing better. And I want to thank Parks and, and, you know, I want to thank my fellow commissioners for getting this done, even though we're in a little, you know, crunch here with um, COVID and what's going on. It's nice to know that these parks will be ready for springtime use and, and uh, you know, up to grade with, with the rest of the parks. I move to authorize Department of Parks and Recreation a contract with David Bramble, Inc., general contractors, to pave Bats Neck parking lot using Department of Public Works' current paving contract in the amount of $203,302.5. Funding shall come from the fiscal year 21 Parks and Rec Capital Budget Parking Lot Paving Project number 40809 in the amount of 150000 the remainder of 53302.5 shall come from fund balance. Second. So we have a motion and a second on, on this. Any, uh, any further discussion? The only thing I'd just like to amend it and say that the 53000 will come from the 102000 that we saved so that yes. that's already accounted for. Yeah. Yep. So we've already saved 103000 and that's good. So, you know, this is better yet. So... With that being said, uh, any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. And I will say one other thing, Steve, since you're here. Yes. You know, uh, it's been a struggle all year long on the beaches. And, uh, you know, I think that your staff is, I think we've only had a couple complaints out of an entire year, and that's that's to be commended. And, and uh, you know, we, we are working to improve that, that process. And, then we're going to have to have some discussions here this fall, this winter, to figure out what we're going to do next year when it comes to these beaches in our parks. Uh, and the last thing I'd like to say is, is I'd like to see parks go out and bid the maintenance on the boardwalk portion of the Cross Island Trail. I know we've had discussions with vines growing on it and, and branches and everything else, and I think that we need to get somebody that can handle it, if it's once a year or twice a year, just to go through because once once all that gets up into the, the the fencing and everything else, it's it's going to be a problem. And and uh, you know, I just I think it should be a budget item. Uh, with that between that and the frag mighty that we we take care of on a regular basis. Okay. Okay. So so um, I had I wrote it this morning, um, and you guys sprayed it. Yep. Those lines you were referencing, and they're all dead. Um, so it's a vast improvement. I don't know what you guys sprayed on it, but it it did the job. Um, the the collapse section of the the trail. Where are we on on that? I know. Are we working with MDE? Is that we're working with um, Tommy Davis about getting um, some some engineering studies done, some water flow studies to see exactly 
how much water is going to be coming down through there and what size pipe we need to get taken care of. Gotcha. We're thinking still, you know, I think he probably has at least two more weeks of work to kind of get it together, and then we'll need to um, probably put it out to bid. Um, or, you know, if we can get approved, you know, an emergency um, vendor and just go ahead and right. uh, pick from there. Yeah. But, um, you know, people are still, you know, their curiosity is getting the best of them. Yeah. They're knocking down the barriers. They're yeah. throwing the barriers in the uh, in the creek. Um, so we keep putting it back up. So it's a dangerous situation. So we, we, we definitely need to. The one end we've got chained off, and we've got it with the, with the lock, and we need to. But that do it one barrier it. there at that that kind of that side entrance into into Four Seasons. You're, you mean they're moving that barrier? They're moving not only that barrier, but then there's another one further down, closer before, to before, the actual yeah. right spot. Yeah, they hmm. threw it. They threw it in the water. Yeah, I saw it the other day. Yeah, and just so the public that don't, don't know that that Cross Island Trail there, that there was an old terracotta pipe, a 16-inch pipe or 12-inch? Um, I think it was 16. Yeah, something of that nature. But the floodplain that that covers is everything that's from not the Kent Island Firehouse, but across the road there, that entire farm drains and goes through that little 16-inch pipe. And when we had that four or six inches of rain, it overwhelmed the pipe. It got clogged. It raised up, and it, it started to follow along the pipe and undermined it and just it collapsed a section of it yeah. so we're, we're getting the engineering done to, to you know maybe some shoreline protection some riprap uh and and finding out what size pipe we need to put in there because so if we're going to fix it we want to fix it for good not not just to put a band-aid on it so right. they're doing the right thing with it and just the sooner they get it done the sooner we can open that back up again so that's all the reason i ask is we you know obviously we have a lot of people that use those trails right. and and those paths and you guys do a, an amazing job maintaining them um, so that's just more, you know, public service announcement that, you know, we're looking at and, and that we're working on it and we're going to improve the situation. So anybody who's watching who uses that trail, that's where we are. And our staff is, um, is working diligently to get it completed. Thank you. Two quick ones for you, Steve. One is uh, Compton Walking Trail. The, the hunting lease is up now? Am yes. Right? Okay. We've been out there and we've marked the property. There was a little bit of uh, overlap. Okay. from the, uh, the farmer that was on there, so we're getting that corrected. And tomorrow they're supposed to tar and chip the, uh, the parking lot up there. Okay. Second is fishing under the Kenton Arrows. Have we done anything with SHA to get that stuff cordoned off and keep people from underneath there? We have not done anything with SHA. Is that, Todd, is that something we can get worked on? I mean, that has been an ongoing problem. I mean, somebody's going to die up there, and then it's going to be... Where's, yeah, the fishing. Well, we have that under the... I was, under the narrows to either yeah. put a fence up to cut it off completely or, or something. Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to enact the legislation to make it. There's there's no there's no teeth to the, the law. I mean, it says no fishing up there, but there's no there's no fine. There's nothing with it. So, you know, that was one of the things we had uh, slated for our delegation to bring it up. You know, a fifty dollar fine, a hundred dollar fine, something to where at least if somebody goes up there. They can at least find them, and, and, and now they, instead of just shooing them off the bridge and then they come back on the bridge, you know, they this can... This isn't on it. I'm talking under it. Either way, any, anything that would be state property, you, you have to stay off of it. So, you know, that's in the waterway section. So, But I'm just saying, my idea is it's probably cheaper and quicker, and you don't have to wait. If you fence from that corner down, sit mm -hmm. with a six-foot so they can't fence, get there. That, I mean, it's going to be impossible what, to get around there. you know and I in. know, if you put a fence out there on, the, on, that, on that abutment, they're going to hold on to the fence, they're going to swing around to the other side of the fence, and they're going to still go. Yeah, they're slick. I mean, yeah. So that's all. You, if, you, you if got the fish are that good up there, then, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. A little razor wire. For it. Yeah, yeah. 
know, electrical charge on that. I don't know, but it's it's just a problem. We'll continue to look at that. Huge problem. Somebody's going to get killed. Yeah, fall in there, you're not going to get them. So yeah, gotta do something. All right. Okay, great. All right. So I would, before he walks off, there were two departments that really got hit by COVID. This one on the health department, and I just really think you did a terrific job. Summer's over, you know, the heat's coming off you, but well done. Yeah, I'm still worried. And still some Dr. C, same <laughs> to you, sir. Well, I, I, I think that um, the Commissioner Moran's a good point. We, we need to take this off season. Com- compile our notes and put together a game plan. Um, again, they were waiting in line to get a Terrapin on Saturday morning. Um, so I just, there's got to be. Well, and this was also the perfect storm. I mean, it's a three-day weekend. Sure. And, you know, the most beautiful weather we've had in, <laughs> in quite some time. I, I have to I, I will give kudos to our guests, though. When they do dump their trash, they do put it in a single location, in an area. It's not like it's scattered. Like, here's your garbage cans, and they're full. So they're packing their trash around those garbage cans. At least they're not throwing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that, just it's pure volume. You know, you, you can put 100 garbage cans there and they're going to fill all 100 of them. Well, and, and not only that, but, you know, we had the trash truck run through Terrapin, I think it was four times um, in one day. And it's still still packed up. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just people. You know, it's the, the result of having <coughs> come into your facility. Whether it's a ball field or a nature preserve or a beach area, you're going to have that residual effect of people being in your parks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my thing is, sure, you want them to put it in the can. But the main thing is that we get it in a timely manner. It's different if it sits there for a week and we don't address it. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, there's a little, you know, it's got to be a little bit of a gray area to allow us to, to be able to function and, you know, and, and get it and clean it back up and get it ready for the, for the next day. So, Very good. Thank you very much. Good work, Steve. Thank, Thank you. All. all right. Appreciate all right. it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. And the last action item, number seven, uh, yeah, I guess motion to approve CC15. We want a motion to uh, table that so it can be adjusted because this was using fund balance to fund that parks parking lot. And I think we want to adjust that to say using okay, the that's fine. project. Yeah. Is that all right. Right on that? That'll work. Should we make a motion to table it or we just to So we can adjust it, it based on the, er, right. the last motion for, right. the, uh, okay. yep. for yep. the parking yep. lot job. Very good. So can I get a motion to table? Motion to table. Yep. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 All right. Thank you, Commissioners. That is all of our action items for this evening. We can move to presentations. And uh, okay, that's tab number six. And first up, we have Dr. Joe Ciatola, our health officer, for a pandemic update. We are in phase three now, so that's good news for everybody in Queen Anne's County in the state of Maryland. So, good day. Well, as you all know, the governor has put us in phase three. And what does that mean? Well, that means we have a little bit more freedom in what we would like to see open and what we'd like to do. But I think the one thing that I would like to say, I think we're all done with COVID, but COVID's not done with us. Mm -hmm. I think we need to continue that message of social distancing, 
face coverings, hand washing, and if you're sick, stay home. And those individuals in our community who have ex extensive health histories need to be very judicious and careful about social gatherings and who they do spend time with. And with that, I would like to commend the citizens of Queen Anne County, members of the health department, members of Queen Anne County government. We have done an amazing job by the grace of God. To the day today, we have had 618 positive confirmed cases of COVID in six months. And it's almost to the day, six months ago, we started this nightmare. <laughs> this is a nightmare that won't go away for a while until we truly have a vaccine that is effective. And right now there's three promising vaccines that are in the works that are being tested. We still do not really know a lot about this virus. Matter of fact, I read an article this morning that apparently they had used the supercomputer in Tennessee to figure out the DNA and the RNA and the pattern of this virus. And it seems to be attacking the ACE2 inhibitors, which are in our, uh, the predominance of those, believe it or not, are in our nose. And that's how the virus is getting into us. But this virus then gets into our body and starts changing things in our body called bradykinin. The bradykinin then affects your bowel, your heart. It affects the blood-brain barrier. That's why we're seeing neurological symptoms in patients with COVID. Seizures, memory loss, stroke-like symptoms. And one of the key pieces that they have found with this study is vitamin D. Vitamin D significantly impedes the ability of bradykinin to affect the systems of our body. So as time goes on, as we all know, we're going to learn more about this virus, what we have to do. We don't know the sequelae of this virus, but we do know that over time, with medical research and looking at science, not politics, but science will make the difference how we proceed over the next year. Dr. Sito, you said vitamin D as D, in David. Vitamin D. Is in David. As in we get from the sun. We get from the sun, but it's also one of the highest deficient vitamins in our body. Hmm. And I think people need to be aware that vitamin D vitamin C and zinc have a significant impact on recovery from those individuals who are infected with this virus. So, so hanging out at the pool, playing golf outside in the sun, all justified. Your wife's not going to buy that. <laughs> and to give you a breakdown of where we are in the county, We've had 22 individuals pass away in this county. 17 of them 
were residents of a long-term care facility. Mm. One was the staff member who was in her late 60s in that facility who also passed away from complications of COVID. So of the 22 deaths, 18 can be attributed to one location. <coughs> now, as far as prevalence of age, I gave you all a sheet that breaks it down by different age groups. Mm -hmm. And when you look at zero to 18 age group, that accounts for 18.4% of the positive cases in our jurisdiction. The next highest is our 20 to 29 year olds who all think they're invincible no matter what. <laughs> they have a tendency to do reckless behavior as we all did at that age. That's 18.4%. So Doc, while you're there, if you could, because I, I got a question for you, because with the whole opioid deaths, the way they're calculated in the state, I think we've had this conversation before, but I want to say now that I think it's more prevalent because now kids have gone back to college. Obviously, they fall in this age category. We have, and I know there has been an outbreak at Salisbury University, which we have quite a few Queen Anne's County kids that go to Salisbury University. Are we getting those stats credited back here to Queen Anne's County because they're Queen Anne's County residents? Yes. So, really? So that, they're counting so, these numbers? Right. Yes. So that, to me, becomes fact, concerning in, when our per percentage goes residents up, residents but it's 30 kids at Salisbury, but we're, and it makes it look like we have this big infection we going three, on. We had three 19-year-olds yesterday that were our three positives. Hmm. All three are in college. That's, yeah. One was in Salisbury. One was in a college in North Carolina. And... That's the importance of contact tracing because it really gives us the information to be able to follow, number one, not only where this individual may have contracted the disease, but where they potentially can spread it. But yes, these are individuals who live in Queen Anne County, but they may be contracting it in Ocean City, South Carolina, college, and this is the age group, unfortunately, when they're returning to college, is partying. And it's social gatherings that have been 40% of the cases are transmitted through large social gatherings. Now, I know with the governor's phase three, outdoor gatherings have now been allowed to be up to 250. My major concern is weddings and large social gatherings like that. And, and I must say that the venues in Queen Anne County have done everything they can to help prevent spread. They've done the social distancing, they've done the face, the face coverings requirements, and they are really working with the bridal parties to make sure people present have been screened appropriately so that you don't have a random heavy outbreak from one event. And that's my biggest fear. But I must say, the businesses have been extremely compliant here in Queen Anne. That's why I felt comfortable lifting the recommendation of about 75 and older with special permits. When the governor raised this to 250, 
I felt that we did not need that added protection because of talking to the venues, talking to the owners. They've been very cooperative about this and very, very attuned to what needs to be done to prevent further spread of this disease. Doc, real quick, so I know that the governor's called this phase three, but as you read the original phasing, the way it came out, to me this is about phase two and a half or two and three quarters because in the original phase three, it was basically life as normal. I mean, capacities were back to 100%. There was no restrictions. So this kids really back isn't... school. Yeah, if kids are in school, this isn't really phase three this by is, the original document. Not by the original document. This is not, and we are not really at the original document of phase three. And as you all know, because you get a copy of the daily surveillance, they added an extra number to that because of this phase three and the plan for reopening schools. And it's what's called your daily case rate. The plan was with the daily case rate, and right now our case rate is sitting today at 9.6. Case rate for school indication goes from five to 15. Case rates of five and under for a jurisdiction you can go back to full in-class school systems. It's that gradient of 5 to 15 that there has to be some modification and adjustment of what you're doing as far as class activity, whether it's partially virtual, partially in-person. But according to MSDE and the Maryland Department of Health, 15 means you're shutting down again as far as school is concerned. And when you look at today's report and you go through these numbers, poor Ocean City or Worcester is sitting at 21.6 cases per day. That's residents. That's not people visiting Ocean City. You look at our surrounding jurisdictions, Caroline County is sitting at 25.7 today. Dorchester is sitting at 17.4. Now this is on a seven-day average, so this is, this is the yo-yo effect that we're going to deal with with this as we go along. I mean, this, again, that yo-yo goes down, but it's coming back up, and that's what we faced with this entire outbreak. So, Dr. Citola, where did you say we were again? I'm sorry. Today, we are sitting at 9.6. Okay. Question, sir. Yeah, what's, what's your hospitalizations right now? Hospitalization right now, we have one individual in the hospital, and she has been in long term. We have had 24 total hospitalized patients that have been positive in our, <coughs> in our population. 23 have been discharged. One other question for you, sir. This is a cumulative number. How many infections do you think you've got running right now in the county? Right now? Realistically, I'd say maybe about 40. And that's a high number, a high estimate. And I'd rather look at high than lower. We are testing essentially four days a week. Monday and Wednesday, we are doing mobile testing either Ken Island or Sudlersville. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're running the mobile test, the drive-through test 
in the health department. Now also, because we hit an 8.5% positivity about a month ago, we asked Alms Corporate to help us with setting up Chesapeake College again as an appointment-only testing facility. They run Monday and Wednesday at the college. Matter of fact, next Monday morning, I'm going to meet with Dr. Sumta, who is the CEO of UMS at 8.30 at Chase College to go over their testing capability and facility. Where we stand now, our regional hospitals, both Anne Arundel and Shore Regional, are able to maintain the COVID positivity and those admitted. Today, I believe there are four positive COVID cases in the hospital in Easton. I think there's one in Chestertown. The hospital has been able to meet those needs and address the hospitalization without being overwhelmed. And hopefully we will be able to continue that. Doc, when you're, you're circling back to your numbers, you were saying with Worcester County at 27 point, that's not total positive cases today. Is that a percentage of testing cases? Is that no, what that is? Their percentage of testing. But what was that 27, I guess, is what I'm... The 21.6 right. is positive cases per day. So they're that's, adding 21 that's, per day? That's based on a seven-day average. So wow. over seven days. So 140-some a week, basically. Their percent positivity is sitting at 7.6. The state average right now is essentially for positivity... It's based on 3.7 is the state average. The state average on seven-day case rate is unfortunately sitting at 11.0. So even for a phase three, we're seeing a lot of cases. And I agree with you. This is not the true phase three, which was originally presented when all this started and what the governor had laid out for his Mm -hmm. Maryland plan. I would agree that we're at a two and a half. So do you, do you get data on deaths over the last 30 days? We get data on deaths daily. Right, but I'm saying, so when's the last time someone in, in Queen Anne's County passed away from COVID? More than 30 days? Less? Probably 30 days. 30 days. 21 to 30 days, if I remember correctly, the last death. Now... The CARES money mm-hmm. has allowed us to a lot to do a lot with what we've been doing. We've hired significant amount of contractual workers for both contact tracing. COVID Link is the electronic tracking device and reporting device. We've hired contract nurses to help with testing, CNAs to help with calling the positive cases and doing the contact tracing. And our test results now, since we left LabCorp and went to the Maryland State Lab, we're getting results within 24 to 36 hours. And we're able to call those negatives and let them know. We know. And all of us up here have been tested. Yeah, we all did. Yep. <laughs>
And it was. And, it was and less than 24. And people who haven't been tested, it's, it's quick. Yeah. You're in and out. Like yeah. Literally five minutes in and out. And if that, yeah. I mean, we have a very efficient, effective drive-in testing and using the less invasive intranasal test, which is specificity, I would say, is about 92 to 95%. But it's a lot easier than trying to do the brain tickle with a nasopharyngeal swab. Todd loved it. And the other thing is, by doing the internasal and self-application of the individual, we're saving on burning through very sparse PPE. We are well supplied for at least the next six to nine months for PPE, thanks to the CARES funds. Good. But gentlemen, I have to say something about our CARES funds. And we don't have an answer from the state, and we don't have an answer from the feds. December 31st, they go away. How we're going to be able to do the amount of work we're doing after the 31st of December may depend upon what the state is willing to put forward Mm -hmm. and what the feds are willing to put forward. I think having gone through the numbers today with Todd is I think we've got a cushion on some of the money that we've been putting aside for administrative support to carry us for about four to six months into next year. But I think it's important that our legislative leadership knows and that our federal leadership knows that we need to be able to roll remaining funds forward from the 31st of December, where we need more CARES funding from the feds in order to truly address all of the needs that we have going forward. I don't think I need to say anything more. Very good. This. And I want to really thank the citizenship of Queen Anne County for being as conscientious, respectful, and alert to what needs to be done to protect their families, their loved ones, and their neighbors. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Yes. Sir, thank you. All right, gentlemen, good evening. Thank you. You too. Any other questions for Dr. Seatholder? Good. All right. Thank you, doctor, for coming in tonight. Covered it. Good update. A lot of details. Thank you. Okay, still in presentations, tab six, item two. We have a very special proclamation this evening. We have proclamation 20-42, and I think we have some folks here that will be joining us. And this is in recognition of the 90th anniversary of Fisherman's Inn. Is it time to read? It looks like they hung you out to drive, folks coming in here, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I believe... Come on. So we have uh, Mr. Schultz, hey. and Mr. Schultz, and Mr. Schultz. Jim? Come on, man. Have a seat. Hey, Jim. You and I are the two biggest customers. I know it. I know <laughs> You want to read this or me? Actually, Phil says he wants to give it a shot. Unless you All want right. To. All yeah. right. It's just you got to say the word Schultz too many times, though. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, gentlemen. Um... In recognition of the 90th anniversary of Fisherman's Inn, which is located in Graysonville. Whereas Fisherman's Inn's restaurant of Graysonville, Maryland, a family-owned company is celebrating 90 years of business. The restaurant is owned by the Schultz family, Andrew, Tracy, and Jody. 
1930, Fisherman's Inn's restaurant was started by William Alexander Thomas, affectionately known as Captain Alex, the father of the late Betty Thomas Schultz. The family began by serving crab cakes and soft crab sandwiches in a single-story home near the current restaurant location. Fisherman's Inn has been a family tradition passed down from Oscar Sonny Schultz and Betty Schultz to their sons Andrew, Tracy, and Jody. Whereas most recently, Fisherman's Inn's restaurant is one of Queen Anne's County's larger employers, providing employment for 100 employees, most of which are county residents. And whereas Queen Anne's County values and appreciates the significant contributions to our community made by the Schultz family and its employees, such as its long-term support of the Ken Allen Volunteer Fire Department and time served on many local boards and commissions. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby recognize Fisherman's Inn, its employees, and the Schultz family for their commitment and contribution to Queen Anne's County's economy and to congratulate Fisherman's Inn on its 90th anniversary. Gentlemen, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Yeah. Continue. I'll be there tomorrow night with Mom. What's that? I'll be with her with my mom tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to shake because I got sanitizer up there. Oh. Thank you. Come on, guys, real quick. Can we do that, Doc? Two more masks? We'll stay in the yeah, there to stay behind. Yeah, how about that? How about you guys stand there? We'll stand behind you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I saw Gigi reach for her camera, so I missed an element. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn that around, yeah. There you go. There you go. This will be a classic for the wall down there at the end, right? Spread out, spread out, guys. Spread out. <laughs> oh, we're, we're squeezing in. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you don't trust Everybody's better. Trust. <laughs> All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank right, you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Ninety more years. Yeah, Andy. Ninety more. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. I got that easement right. signed, so I'll give it to Patrick. So it's done. <laughs> All right. Now it's library card. All right, commissioners, thank you very much. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Item number three, on page three, we have a another proclamation, and this is Proclamation 2042, Queen Anne's County Library Card Sign-Up Month 2020. And I believe our chief librarian, Janet Salazar, there, she, here. Is. there she is. There Come on in, is. Janet. All right. All right. Hello, hello, hello. And read the proclamation? Sure. Yeah. All right. Proclamation Queen Anne's County Library Library Card Sign-Up Month 2020. And this is uh, Proclamation 2042. Whereas a library card is the most essential school supply of all, and whereas libraries and librarians play a crucial role in the education and development of children, and whereas libraries offer a variety of programs to stimulate an interest in reading and learning, and whereas library resources serve students of all ages, from early, liter early literacy to STEAM programs to research databases, 
And whereas signing up for a library card is the first step on the pathway towards academic achievement and lifelong learning. And whereas a library card gives students the tools that foster success in the classrooms and beyond, and whereas librarians create welcoming and inclusive spaces for students of all backgrounds to learn together and engage with one another, and whereas a library card empowers all people to pursue their dreams and explore new passions and interests, and whereas libraries are constantly transforming and expanding services to meet the evolving needs of the communities, now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, proclaim September Library Card Sign-Up Month in Queen Anne's County and encourage everyone to sign up for their own library card today. We do. Awesome. And if they get their library card, they can do a lot of stuff online as well. So if they're worried about mm -hmm. right? Can I get a picture? Um, do you want me to get a picture at the end or... Now for the commissioner. Picture whenever you want. Whenever the commissioner is rather. We'll, we'll go ahead and do your presentation. You have a presentation? Yeah. Yep. Sounds great. Thank you. Good evening, and thank you for letting me speak with you tonight about National Library Card Sign Up Month. We do believe that the library card is probably the most important card in your wallet next to your debit card. So. Um, the biggest thing people need to know is how to get a library card. So this little short little video will show you how to get a library card. First you go to our website, which is qaclibrary.org. And okay, there we are. <laughs> You're going to go to explore how do I get a library card. And hopefully that will be coming up soon. Well, I will just walk you through it. You go to explore, how do I get a library card? And at the very bottom of the page that pops up, there will be a little thing that says, click here to get a library card. You click on that, fill out all your information, which is your name and your address, and a way for us to contact you. It could be your phone number or an email. And then we would get you a library card. You can also call us at our lovely phone numbers, and we can do it over the phone for you as well. And once we've done this temporary application online, you get your actual physical card by either telling us you want us to mail it to you, we can put it out with your Library Express stuff, or starting on Monday, you can come into the library and we can give it to you in person. So those are the ways you can get a library card, but what can you do with your library card? You can check out all of our lovely materials. We have physical items like print books, we do have recorded books that come in a form of a CD or an MP3 player. We have magazines you can check out and movies and DVDs that you can check out. Lots of good TV shows in case you're getting really tired of what's on TV. We also have a multitude of free databases and resources. During the whole COVID shutdown part, Hoopla was a big thing that everyone was using because Hoopla allows you to download not only eBooks and audiobooks, but you can stream movies and music and TV shows. You can even get comic books on Hoopla and graphic novels. I love Hoopla, so I'm, I'm a big Hoopla user. But the other thing that we have that people have been using a lot of are our Gale courses. There are over 300 courses you can use on Gale courses, anything from accounting to technology. If you think about it, you could probably find it on Gale courses. If you're looking to learn a new language, 
Mango is there for you, as well as Muzzy for the kids. I remember Muzzy from when I was a child, so Muzzy's been around for a long, long time to teach us different ways of speaking. And for all of our students who are at home, learning from home, we have BrainFuse, our online tutoring source. We do have a new database that isn't listed here called Creative Bug for all those crafters we have in Queen Anne's County, and that is getting a lot of use since we started it in July. What other fun things can you do with your library card? You can attend any of our free programs. Right now, our programs are virtual, so we can't have anybody in our meeting rooms because we're using them to quarantine materials, but we do have take-home kits that you can do. Those are our most popular programs right now. So we will put a kit together. You sign up to do the program. You come get your kit in Library Express, and you go home and watch the video, and everybody does it together. And then hopefully you will send us a picture of what you've done so that we can post it on our website. You can also get help with technology. On Monday, you can come in and use our library computers and our printers and our fax machines. And we're always here to help you with your research questions. And that's all the great things you can do with your library card. I'm sure there's others you can think of. Um, these are our two lovely locations, and we hope to see some of you on Monday. So. Very good. So where do we stand on your expansion of Kent Island? Today there was actual construction equipment on site, so they have started they've started removing some of the brush that needs to go away, you okay. know, in order to make room for parking lots and constructions and stuff. So our notice to pre proceed is here, and we're very, very excited. It was very exciting to see, you know, movement. So that was, we're very excited. Very good. good. It almost doesn't seem real until you start getting equipment there and, and moving stuff around and then breaking ground. Like, and it seems like, okay, we're moving. Yes. Yes, we're doing, going forward. So, yeah. Really so do you have any plans in documenting that process at all? Um, Today, we were kind of like, oh, we should probably start taking pictures. We thought maybe the construction crew was going to do it, but I didn't see anybody taking pictures, so we will make sure we start documenting it after today. I just so. think it would be fun, you know, considering where we started this, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the actual breaking of the, the ground and starting the construction process and then the completion. I think it would probably make a great presentation. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Well, thank Did you, you very get much a, for your time. A, a picture? Is that what you wanted? Okay. We'll do the same thing if you don't mind coming. I do not mind. Yeah, there you go. Mr. Wilson. Oh, it looks good on that jacket. Okay. Squeeze in something. Come off. Huh? Thank you. Okay. Good to see you, Jan. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, make sure you coordinate with Public Works. They usually take uh, pictures as well, and I think we can maybe take some aerial shots, too, of the progress of the, of the work down there at the library. It's very exciting. We're, we're happy that it's moving forward. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, Commissioners, our next presentation is item number four on page 11. We have uh, the Executive Director of Haven Ministries, Ms. Krista Pettit, to give us an update on for very important work, in particular now during the pandemic. So, Krista, come on in. Thank you. Good all by yourself? I am all by myself. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Good evening. She is an army of one. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to give a presentation. I like to come once a year 
Um, just to let you know what Haven Ministries is doing, give you some statistics, um, let you know where we're headed, um, especially since the pandemic, what we've been up to. Um, I think it's important for you all to know. It's also a chance for me to personally thank all of you for your support. Um, you have continuing support for Haven Ministries, and we appreciate it. You've helped us secure CARES funds, which has been vital in keeping us up and operational. Our essential services never closed during the pandemic. In fact, they were busier than ever. And so we're very appreciative, and also for the Queen Anne's County Operating Grant as well for our upcoming projects. So we are very, very appreciative, and I want to come and thank you so much for that. I'll give you an update on all of our programs. Um, as you know, we have several programs in the community to assist families and individuals that live at or below the poverty line. We have Hope Warehouse with job training and our Daily Thread Thrift Store. Both of those stores had to shut uh, due to the stay-at-home order, but we are now up and operational. So we're able to have those programs. We do distribute items into the community for free if folks need them. So if we have one of our homeless shelter guests that um, gets an apartment, they're able to go to Hope Warehouse and get items that they need to furnish that apartment for free. Same with the thrift store. If someone in the community is in need of clothes, whether that's school clothes for children or interview clothes or whatever that is, and they can't afford it, they can certainly go there and get those items for free. We have our art program um, whereby local artists, including art students and all of our public schools here, donate artwork to beautify people's homes. A lot of times people don't have homes to make their homes look very beautiful. So this is a way that um, we can have them decorate their homes and it's a way for local artists to be involved. Our homeless shelter remains open. We never closed. Um, our season starts October. So since October 2019, we've remained open. We've assisted 58 people, including nine children. We now operate out of a hotel, and the reason for that is due to HUD and CDC requirements when the pandemic started. It was suggested that congregant shelters go into hotels or other facilities where people can really spread out if necessary. So we were able to do that with some funding that came in through the Department of Housing and Community Development. And we also remain open now because there is no movement in the affordable housing stock. So we, there's not a lot of places to put people. And this isn't specific just to Queen Anne's County. It's the whole mature area. I would imagine it's all of America. Um, there just isn't a lot of movement. So if we were to shut the shelter now, there's literally no place for people to go. We can't put them in other programs because they're all full and because no one can move people out. So um, I, we're very concerned um, about evictions and when those start happening and what that's going to look like um, in regards to how many people are going to need housing. And then again, trying to get to that next step housing is very difficult. Our headquarters opened in July. This was in um, collaboration with the EOC here in Queen Anne's County. Um, so we have a place, a headquarters in Queenstown on Dell Roads Avenue. It's open Monday through Friday. It has our resource center, which is the financial assistance for things like eviction notices, first month's rent, utility cutoffs, those kinds of things, and also our food pantry. So folks schedule an appointment Monday through Friday, and they come in, and our food pantry is set up like a store. So they can come in and shop for what they need. Of course, everything is free. Um, and so it's an efficient consistent and a dignified approach and it's um, worked out very well and um, we have some update statistics we've had 140 people come through um, just the headquarters 145 people come through the headquarters and that's over 400 people served because they go home and feed people within their homes 
In addition to that, we were asked by the Queen Anne's County Public Schools to come into Sudlersville and to help with food distri distribution, specifically in that area um, where there's a great need uh, of, um, for food. Um, so we have been doing that as pop-ups, um, drive-throughs, and we have seen 120 people on average every month, and they are North County folks. We don't see a lot of people coming from other areas of the county on occasion from Centerville, but they are um, North County resident zip codes because we do collect that information. That's about 377 people on average. So the, both of those combined are about 265 people a month that we're serving. This time last year, we served 170 people. So we've seen an increase in March, April, and May, specifically, especially March and April. We saw twice this amount. We have seen a decrease since then. I think with um, jobs opening and people being able to go back, that has been very helpful. We saw a lot of people come through in March and April that have never been through a food distribution program before. And they let us know because they were concerned and they didn't really know how it worked. So. Um, we were able to assist even more people uh, during the pandemic in March and April. And then our resource center has been busy. Um, we do take a lot of requests by phone, and we do have some folks come in as well. We try to keep our numbers um, low there at the headquarters. We average about $4,000 a month of financial distribution that goes out into the community, and that's through our church funds. So the churches give funds there so we can do research on the request the whole idea is to keep people housed. So we help with the utilities and the rents. We work with all of our community partners, Queen Anne's County Department of Aging, Social Services, Housing Department, Housing Authority, you name it. We work with them um, to be able to keep people housed and to keep them um, functioning here in Queen Anne's County. And then our upcoming program, we're looking to expand um, our housing programs. We help with housing through the Resource Center, through our homeless shelter, and through street outreach. If somebody is homeless or thought to be homeless in the community, people will call us. Our staff will go out to where that person might be homeless and see if we can assist them, whether that's coming to our shelter or through other services. So we're looking to expand that into a longer-term housing assistance program, very similar to a tenant-landlord relationship where people can come and live with us for up to two years and then um, they'll receive a lot of case management services, connections to physical, mental health if they need it, job training, careers, and child care, those kinds of things that will help people um, become better prepared for affordable and safe housing and permanent housing. So we are working on that right now. So I just wanted to update you, see if you all have any questions for me for Haven Ministries, and then I have some updated pamphlets for your office in case you have folks that call for any of the services, and I can give those to you on my way out. How many volunteers do you have right now working, paid or unpaid? I mean, I don't, I don't know how, you know, Haven Ministries is structured financially, but with all that's going, you got going on, you must have a... We do. We have um, well over 350 volunteers. A lot of our volunteers, our headquarters, our thrift store, our warehouse all run on volunteers, our food pantries as well. So it takes, um, for a pop-up in Sudlersville, we move between eight and 10,000 pounds of food on average. It takes about 40 people each time to do that. So do it's you, a lot of help. Do you ever get, not to... A database? I mean, do you, do you know, I mean, do you have 
ways to contact some of these people yes, coming? absolutely. So when you don't see them, if you're concerned and you reach out to them? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're able to do that. And we have a lot of volunteers and we're so thankful we wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't be able to staff and, and do everything that we do without the volunteers. And that's from children to adults. So we're really grateful. Do you have any feeling of what you think the and I know what you're talking about with the evictions. The courthouses have been closed for so long, and they've had a, you know, pretty much a... We're starting to slowly anybody. see the evictions come through that I think were pending from right when the pandemic hit. So we're starting to see that. But our concern is, even though we've gotten the word out, you know, don't be late, get help, get help, get help. I'm afraid that some people have probably not paid some things. And when the time comes for evictions, I, I just think it's going to be problematic. Todd, are we allowed to get that information from the court system, clerk of the court? Can we just on eviction cases, not so much who, but just a number of cases? Just curious to see what we are looking at, because I know Check Mike that. Clark was talking about that and, and, you know, getting, getting. I know there was some sort of funding set up for evictions that mm-hmm. and you know, the county could, the housing department on those. you know, uh, help with that. So take a look. Yeah, yeah. just see, yeah. see what you can find out with that. Very good. Anybody else have any other questions? No, you just, I mean, it goes clear back to the my first term back in 2011, you know, and, and seeing where you guys have come today. Um, it's amazing. The have you expanded your services and right. the number of people you're helping? And it's just, it's amazing. There's no other word to describe it. Well, we couldn't do it with all the community support and help including you also. Thank you. The measure, the measure of any society is how we treat those of, at, at their least, and we just don't see it. I mean, you know, that's, that's a blessing. I mean, you know, we just, it, it, it's, it's something that's taken care of, and we appreciate everything you do and, and the rest of your staff. I mean, kudos, and, you know, you, you hope to, you have less work, you know, but it's good to know that you're there in, in these type of you know, troubling times. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Krista. Good to see you. Okay, commissioners, our final presentation this evening is item five on page 14. We have the Economic Development Commission chairman, Mr. Jesse Parks, uh, to give us an update on the Economic Development Commission and their work. And Ms. Heather and Jesse, I'd like to apologize to both of you. You know, you've been out there for two hours. And I think, Margie, we need to make a better effort to try and give time slots just to, so, I mean, his time's valuable, her time's valuable, to sit out there in that hallway for two hours is, you know, if, if you okay, don't mind. I'll make sure I put time slots yeah, in everybody. Yeah, you know, get them, get them closer so they don't have to, that's tough. Thanks. I Thank appreciate you. your waiting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank you for having us. Um, like to be here more, and, and I haven't, so I apologize for that, but just wanted to give you guys an update uh, on what the department's doing, what the EDC has been doing. Um, and um, kind of want to jump over, around a little bit, but I wanted to start by thanking you guys for the money for the uh, Small Business Assistance uh, and Recovery Fund. Uh, Heather has some numbers on the amount of businesses that we were allowed, we were able to to help. The amount of money that was put out, and uh, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about how much work was put in by the department by Heather. It's amazing, um, and if you look at that list and the numbers, it, it really is it's it's incredible. So, wanted to really thank you for for that money 
on behalf of the businesses in Queen Anne's County, and then also thank Heather for all the work that the department put in. I'm really proud of that program, as well as we had a great uh, team, a grant review committee that sat in and you know looked at these, and they worked really well together. They were fair. Um, we moved quickly, but also made sure all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. We did 192 loans in two months, or grants in two months. Um, over $2.2 million was given out, which is great. I'm still working on gathering the statistics because hopefully the next time I see you, I'll be able to provide you with how many of them were small business versus corporation, how many of them had, you know, four employees versus 20 employees or more, and be able to give you a lot more detail. Um, the Grant Review Committee did decide to sit aside $100,000 for a sanitation fund to help businesses that um, had a COVID-positive case and were required or decided to deep clean their businesses. And so far to date, we've had 16 applications for that. And we set aside 100, and that's working out pretty good because most of the uh, requests have been around two, $3,000 for those. So that's great. It's, that not, it's to, not cheap to do. No, no. It's and not it's, cheap And it's to a do. quick turnaround. These are a lot less cumbersome than what our grants were, which I don't think they were cumbersome, but we required a lot more documentation with that. So we're very proud of that. Um, we'll have 107,000 left. And the grant review committee is meeting on Friday to decide what to do with the, whether we open it back up for that remaining 107 or, um, you know, just how to move forward. And now we have to start collecting all the documentation because with the CARES Act, we have to prove mm -hmm. that those funds were used for COVID monies. And that's part of the grant agreement. So now we start with all those 192 businesses again, going back out to them and requiring that documentation. But um, you also allowed us to buy software, which has been instrumental in making this so seamless. And anybody that's apply for the grant can tell you how how nice that is and so we're going to use that same software to help um, receive that information because I can't imagine getting all that mail in with actual hard copies of everything that's just so it wasn't I mean I just I know that there were some cases that I even brought to your your attention that weren't easy because of their unique situation right. what didn't change was the fact that they certainly needed help right but the challenges were getting that documentation documentation to you guys yeah. So job well done there for sure, because it wasn't always just, you know, check this box. I mean, there were some real life situations that affected some of these businesses in the past that made it tough for you guys to, to draw to a conclusion, did they qualify? So thinking outside the box, the way you guys did was huge. So job well done. So early on, we were able to uh, meet remotely and uh, review text amendments, which uh, last year, you guys gave us the ability to do that, and we really appreciate the opportunity to weigh in on text amendments. Um, and uh, we have been meeting in person. Uh, it's been going well. I think a lot of the work that we really that really gets done within the EDC is in subcommittee. Uh, you know, last year workforce development was a real big thing. Uh, we put on the event. Workforce development is still very important to us. To us, it's, it's hard right now with uh, school the way it is to really hammer on workforce development. Um, you know, the apprenticeship liaison position, I know is something that you guys support. Um, and uh, I think, you know, there is some money for that. So, you know, we, we hope for your continued support uh, with the school system to hopefully be able to create that, um, that position that can help 
pair the students uh, with the businesses that, that are in need of those apprenticeships. I think you know, that program is amazing and it's a great opportunity for the kids in Queen Anne's County. Uh, also want to thank you. I know you, they were already here recently with the Travel and Tourism Advisory Committee. Again, that came out of a subcommittee. Uh, great group of, of um, business people in Queen Anne's County to kind of put that together. So again, thank you uh, for the ability to put that position in place. Um, really looking forward to getting, I know Heather's really looking forward to getting some help, <laughs> which she really needs. Uh, so I'll stay in that vein. Um, I heard, you know, Gigi came up and talked about the visitor center. It's going to be ready to open on September 21st. Um, but they're going to need to have staff in order to be able to open it. Um, so hopefully that will be an option and, uh, everybody can come see how beautiful it is. Um, but again, that'll be ready for the, uh, September 21st. We're also meeting in subcommittee for, uh, planning and zoning, um, call it planning and zoning subcommittee. Uh, the goal there is to put together some action items that we can bring to you guys about that department and its procedures, uh, best practices, maybe what people do around that we really think that could be an upgrade that could help streamline some things, make it a little better with a new planning director going to come on. Hopefully we'll be able to work with them to put some of these things in place. So that'll be the next thing that we'll be coming to you with. And um, again, a lot of these things come out of subcommittee with uh, members of the EDC and then some outside members to, to help support and supplement um, with their knowledge. Uh, so the last subcommittee that we need to get off the ground is a small business outreach. Uh, this came out of bridge traffic uh, and how to get to get people to some of these small businesses that people couldn't get to with the gridlock that was happening during construction. I think with, uh, you know, currently with what's going on, it's still as important to help some of these small businesses. How can we support them? How can we have events to get people to them, drive uh, traffic to them, businesses? So um, that, that's another one I think that uh, a small group can, can really get together uh, in the EDC and, and make an impact. Um, looking forward to involvement in the comp plan. Uh, you know, we're really eager to get involved with that. I know everybody's eager to get that up and running. So um, we want to be a, a part of that and review that and, and have input wherever possible. Uh, and then uh, we have three term expirations coming up. So we need to open the, those up uh, for potential uh, board members. Uh, and, you know, we'll look forward to um, putting, making sure we're getting the right um, industries that we'll, we'll need to put on and, uh, and then have a new board. So it's been, since we upped uh, last year, the year before, the, the amount of members, we've had a really good full board of, of active participants. So we want to continue, continue that and keep it going. And it'll be new, new leadership, new chairman and, and uh, vice chair uh, and the full uh, leadership board next year as well. So that's all that I had. I just wanted to get in front of you guys and uh, and thank you for those things and give you a little bit of update on what's been happening with the EDC. Do you have anything to add, Heather? 
Uh, other than our workforce program that you um, approved as well, where we're using the $200,000 in CBDG money that had been sitting there, uh, we're meeting with the AGC via Zoom, which is the American Job Center, um, as well as labor on September 15th with a rollout date of October 1st. So we're finishing up on the grant program and we're going to roll this one out. And I'm, I'm also very excited about that. So basically, if the program's successful, we're doubling our money because we're reimbursing 50% of those wages for those jobs and the employer is paying the other 50. Wow. So for our 200, if all goes well. How long is that for? I mean, they're paying at 50%. What would... It depends on the type of job and because it's on the job training. So that's where Workforce Investment Board comes in because that's our specialty, not mine. Mm -hmm. And they'll go through and design a program for that employee, that Queen Anne's County resident to go work in this Queen Anne's County company. And they'll do on the job training. And um, it just depends on the, the position. But I don't think any more than six months. I think around three months. Um, but I'm excited about that. Okay, good. Any other questions? I just I think we would be remiss if we didn't um, at least recognize Ms. Tonelli for her her efforts. Uh, she was newly hired, and then all of a sudden COVID showed up, and so and on top of all those challenges with COVID and and and, and taking on a new position here in our county, staffing issues. I mean, for the folks that are watching on TV, I could go on and on with some of the challenges Heather's had to deal with, but um, just you simply just put a, you get up and you. And you show up and you and you get it done regardless of what it takes and how long it takes. So on behalf of the commissioners here in Queen Anne's County and the businesses in Queen Anne's County, job well done. Thank you. Thank you. This is where and I now, live it, and these are the people that I love, so I love working. Now if you want to make an announcement about any blockbuster deals you might have you know cemented down, you can let us all know now, but if not, we can wait. You can wait. It's okay. coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Very good. Stay tuned. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, Jesse, say hello to your mom for me. I will. I will. Thank, thank you. you, guys. Yeah, thank, you. thank you both. Good to see you. All right, commissioners, that's all of our presentations this evening. We have two pieces of legislation for introduction. If you want to turn to tab number seven, first one is ordinance, proposed ordinance 20-08, and its provisions for alcohol production facilities in the agriculture and countryside districts of Queen Anne's County for introduction. Can I get to I'll introduce it? All right. Commissioner Moran is going to introduce that. Mm -hmm. The second one is uh, County Ordinance 20-12, timing in response to ethics complaints by the Queen Anne's County Ethics Commission. I'll introduce that. So I have a question. Um, they have to be introduced. Correct. I mean, right. That's Whether it. you're supporting it or you believe it's a doesn't matter. You got to introduce. You still got to right. You still got to introduce. It. You got it. So that's for the folks that are listening on TV. They do have to be introduced in order to move forward on them. Yep, we will schedule public hearings on both of those in two weeks. Do we know? Um, <coughs> the one may have to be three weeks for advertising. So. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. That brings us to the second press and public comments period. Do you have anybody out there? I don't think we do. I don't think so. If you're out in the hallway, come on in. <laughs> yeah, you can all come in. Yeah. Nobody, okay, nobody. moving on. You got anybody? Anything uh, first? Nothing. Nope. Beautiful. We're moving right into round table. Round table. All righty. Take it away. Mr. Wilson, you're good? Good. Mr. Wilson, the senior statesman, you got anything? I sure do. 
Fire away. <laughs> I need uh, everybody to put their thinking caps on. Because we passed through a, a shoal waters tonight in, in dealing with Mr. Waterman's development. Mm -hmm. Because I have been a good forecaster of Queen Anne County finances, and I'm telling you that the business of minting these towns in which you're going to pick up three, four, five hundred people, bringing 0.5 of a kid per person. If there's any one iceberg that'll sink this ship, it's the building of a school. We're already sitting at, you know, 120, 30 million in debt. We don't have the 50 million or 40 million. When George built the Ken Island High School, he had to jump taxes 18 cents in one year to cover that deal up. And this... I'm always struck in government when government does things that contradict themselves. I mean, lots of things we do, like we want more business but less traffic. You know, there's an awful lot of that kind of stuff. We want <laughs> some more of this and that, but with less cars getting there. This is another one of these deals. When you move people into a county, I mean, one of the things all of us have noticed is how well economically this county has worked for 10 years. And one of the interesting phenomena about it is it didn't grow at all. It sat there at 50,000 people. Whenever you start moving people in at 0.5 of a kid per, you wind up with more kids in the school and then you go to portable classrooms and all of a sudden you hit some formulistic number and you're in for a school and that is just a blockbuster expense. It, the nicest thing we've had doing this job is the fact we want a couple million bucks for this, you know, build a library, you know, mm -hmm. buildings, warehouses, whatever we want, we can do it because we got the money. We have a school, that's over. And I'm just saying that the business of minting little villages the other thing is that the business of the APFO not applying inside the municipalities is a huge hole in the dam of fiscal responsibility or fiscal maintenance, if you will. And I really think this commission needs to think through whether, if it's possible, because there may be legalities or constitutional questions about what the powers of the municipalities are versus the Central Commission. But it does seem to me that in giving the municipalities the right to run projects through, not, count, not covered by our APFO, in a way what they can do is drop expense on the other citizens of the county, which over which those citizens have no vote. And you're denying the citizens of the rest of the county their ability to pick, to choose what money they want to spend if you allow the AP, you know, the municipalities to create an expense for the county overall. These are really important fundamental questions about where this county is headed in the next few years. So I just, that's my little... Uh, lecture for tonight, but I really think we need to think about that one. Very good. Me hey. Phil. Uh, Philippe. So, um, I, I appreciate Commissioner uh, Wilson bringing that point up regarding the APFO and 
and the impact that some of these communities are going up. You know, we preach um, to grow in and around our town centers. Um, but those town centers and those municipalities aren't subject to some of the fees and impacts that their development has on our school system, our infrastructure, uh, public safety, our ability to provide that public safety. So um, I share some of the sentiments that Commissioner Wilson has regarding that issue. Uh, the other thing I wanted to, to mention real quick, and I wanted to thank Commissioner Jack Wilson for reminding me, uh, we talked about it in closed session regarding the commitments of these boards and commissions that these people sit on. It's one thing to donate or volunteer your time, and some of the boards and commissions, there is a stipend because it's a necessity, but the commitment that you make to those boards and commissions to show up for those meetings. You know, we operate under Robert's Rules of Orders, and you've got to have a quorum in order to, to have an issue pass and go through and, and take action on an issue. So just keep in mind when you put your name in the hat to be considered for a board or commission that you are all in uh, on those boards and commissions because it is frustrating for the folks that do show up for those meetings and want to make a difference, and there's not enough people there to make that difference. Done. Commissioner All right. Uh, so first I want to call out uh, some, some praise for uh, a young local citizen. Uh, I hope I got this name right from reading uh, information about this weekend. But Eagle Scout Bryce O'Malley mm -hmm. was at uh, Kentmore over the weekend. Somebody who was working on the boat fell, knocked, uh, I think knocked themselves unconscious, into the water. And he dove in the water to save that person and stayed with that person until EMS got there. Um, he had also weeks before had, had installed some device to clean up um, trash that's floating around in the Kentmore Marina. So a, a remarkable young man, I think, you know, he deserves to be called out for that. Uh, great job, you know, Eagle Scout through and through, obviously. Um, but it's an amazing thing, so you should be very proud. Your parents should be very proud of you. Um, speaking of uh, parents of kids, school has started. It's virtual. It's not what a lot of people wanted, but um, I want to make sure that you know, we, we are thinking about all the teachers that are teaching virtually. It's not what they would want to have happen. They'd rather be forming that bond with their kids in person. Um, but thank you to all the teachers who are trying to make this work. Um, to all the kids who are getting used to the virtual learning, you know, we hope you get back into a classroom as soon as is, is safely possible. Um, but keep up. You're doing a great job. And to the parents who are having to help their kids through this, you're doing the Lord's work because I've done it. It's not easy working and trying to have your kids learn, especially the younger that they are. Um, they're just easily distracted. So we are very cognizant of what all of the parents and the students are going through. And we're also appreciative of, of what the, the teachers are doing as well. So that's it. Very good. Right, I'm going to start with uh, Todd. The three things, the three things that we had for our delegation for this upcoming session, uh, you know, the first one was the hunting on Sundays on private property, not public property, but private property, uh, you know, the same as, as our surrounding counties do. Uh, the second was, to what Commissioner Wilson was talking about earlier, restrict prohibit fishing within the state highway right-of-way in the Kenton Narrows, specifically underneath the Kenton Narrows Bridge where safety is a concern. And these are things that we brought up back in June. And the third was the sewage pump-out in any of the Queen Anne's County waterways. And I know that's a long, drawn-out process, and I know that, uh, you know, Secretary Hathaway said she was going to weigh in with us and heard nothing there, and I know the county's moving forward on that one. 
uh, the other thing is, because uh, as Jack said last week when he was sitting in this chair, I feel the need to talk about traffic. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to bring up the traffic. It's the I, chair. <laughs> I, I, you know, yesterday the, the, the 12 miles and, and, you know, even our EDC recognizes how that impacts our businesses. Uh, and I, I think that uh, we're, we're, we've been, if there's a silver lining to COVID, it's been that traffic has, the numbers have been down. With the exception of yesterday, the numbers have been down, the, the, the severity of the backups and the number. But it's all going to come roaring back uh, when COVID is passed. And next summer will be that. Uh, a couple things, you know, as everybody knows, the state has come out with their, you know, their three choices. And the one in the center is existing bridges where it is now. And, and more than likely, that's going to be the selection. And, I, you know, you go on social media, you go other places, you hear people saying, you know, Traffic can't handle it now. Why would a new bridge? And I think the public needs to be educated. So I'm going to work to put together either a town hall or just ask the commissioner and see if we can get the state here also. And, and we need, and as Commissioner Duman said, we need the public's input. The public needs to be to these meetings, and they need to voice their concerns, and they need to voice you know, their comments. Uh, you know, because w along with the new bridge, it's a corridor project. It goes from 9750 to 30150 split. Uh, there's a lot of amenities that would go with this, with overpasses, widening of the highway, additional lanes. But the process we're in right now is the NEPA, and the first phase of that process is selecting what they've selected. And that should have taken less than four years, and it's going to take six years because it's not going to get a stamp until probably next summer. So once that happens, then you go into phase two of the NEPA, and that's another four-year study, which, again, I question that, but it's a four-year study. And it's an expensive study, because this is where it jumps up to about $35 million. And we have talked to the state, and I'm going to say it right here on TV, that, and Commissioner Wilson, I want to thank you for the idea. Uh, we need to put up tolling westbound at the Bay Bridge. And the reason we need that is to do dynamic tolling so on Sundays from 10 a.m. till 8 p.m. or maybe even 10 p.m., it'll cost you $10 to go westbound over the Bay Bridge on a Sunday evening. And what that's going to do, it's going to do two things. It's going to do, and we've run the numbers because we know how many vehicles are passing on Sunday, it'll generate about a million and a half dollars of additional revenue uh, for the state every month, which in turn will fund the Phase 2 of the NEPA. Because if anybody here thinks that the federal government, or excuse me, the federal government, the state government or the tolling facility is going to come up with $35 million for the second NEPA, this is the perfect reason why they say we can't do it, we don't have the funding. So not only are, are Anne Arundel County, Queen Anne's County, everyone else wanting a solution to this traffic, we are showing you the revenue source to get it. It's no different than an enterprise. If the sewer, sewer plants, golf, airport, those that use it pay for it. Now, I will say I will push hard to make sure that Anne Arundel County and Queen Anne's County are exempt from that charge because we have to deal with the traffic, but everybody else should have to pay, and they should pay that $10. Well, it takes from the time they decide to do that to the time that it's actually functioning could be anywhere from one to two years. And for us to sit here and wait and let the state use an excuse of we don't have the funding because Todd's been there, and Jack, I think you've been with me in a couple meetings, you ask them, where's the funding source? If you look in their six-year CIP, it's not in there. The funding for the phase two is not in there. And if it's not in there, that means it's not going to get done. 
If it doesn't get done, we, we languish longer and longer with these traffic issues. So I'm all about keeping the ball moving and, and moving forward with it. The second thing it would do, not only would it fund it, the second thing it would do, those that say, that I'm not paying $10, are going to change their travel habits. They're going to come home earlier or they're going to come home later. Either way, that's a win for Queen Anne's County with the traffic. So, you know, anybody that's been keeping up with what's been going on in, in the papers, just by removing the tolls, which we've been told that that happened two years earlier, you know, it, it was, wasn't supposed to happen until next year. And now that those tolls are gone, the accidents have dropped somewhere about 35 to 45%. So that's huge on traffic moving, and that's a good thing. But again, you know, uh, the volumes, I think, are, are down. The numbers are down. They're down by whatever. The last report we had is like 15 or 20 percent. So they're going to come back. And, and, and again, the building is still continuing to go full bore on the beaches. So I'd, I'd like to get the public involved in this to, to explain what some of the things are that would be beneficial to Queen Anne's County and, and you know, what they think about this tolling idea. Because, you know, the governor's been against any increases in tolls. But I've been told by his staff that he welcomes, he, State of Maryland, SHA, MDOT, welcome any information, any data, any surveys that we can come up with. So I'll start that. I'll start that process and, and, and see what we can get, you know, from the public to start chiming in on what, what they think. Because to do nothing, to think that it's going to go anywhere else, it's just not going to happen. So we need to be in front of it because the longer we have to live with it, the, the more it's going to hurt us. And, and that's where I'll stop. Yes, sir. So I think one of the interesting facts are that if you do, if you, dynamic toll pricing can work two ways. One is you add on somewhere, but you can take away somewhere also. Mm -hmm. So it may very well allow you to not only collect 35 million bucks, which is chump change in that. Right. But the second thing is it could allow us to lower the price of our commuter traffic back and forth over the bridge. So I don't want our citizens to think that we're actually, or even the governor, to think we're raising tolling in general. Right. We may be net lowering it by raising it at one point and lowering it at others. Correct. You can control that whole game. But I do want the citizens to be aware that it's not necessarily could be a very good benefit to our citizens to have that. Well, and, and also, you know, I, I, maybe we need to file for freedom of information because they have the, the technology to tell you the license plates that come across that bridge. And I'm telling you, when it gets to the side streets, it's always Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. tags. Always. 85 percent of them. And, you know, they're the ones using this, and they're the ones going to the beach. So I have no problems with telling them, hey, it's going to cost you 10 bucks to get back across that bridge. And, you know, I, I just think that you know, the state could give us some of that information, and it would make much more palatable for the residents on both sides of the bridge. But anybody that travels it on a regular basis knows where this traffic's coming from. I mean, I've seen Washington State, Ohio, a lot of New York, and a lot of New Jersey now. So, I mean, but these are what's going back and forth and going over that bridge, and and it's just, you know, all roads have been built to that bridge for the last 50 years, and we need help with that. And, you know, yesterday I was texting Secretary Slater asking him, look at those backups yesterday. Those are the ones that cripple the county. Those are the ones that we need to close the ramps on. The ones that get past Castle Marina, the ones that get almost to the Kent Narrows, we can live with those. 
But when it gets back there past Nesbitt and they just fill up all of 18, I mean, there was a picture last night on Facebook where we had an engine, a fire truck running down the wrong side of the road where there's no shoulders. It's just, it's dangerous. And it's sooner or later, there's going to be an accident. Sooner or later, there's going to be road rage. And and I think that (coughs) the state's got to come up with some better plans. Another item that, that, you know, we discussed four years ago was metering the traffic. Uh, and, and Jack, I think you were here. We were, and, and Steve, I, when we talked, remember I rolled the big plan out on the table and I said, look it, there's 10 miles between 404 and Easton. Control that light, meter the traffic, and then stop the backups from getting where the, our heavily populated areas are. Well, now the state is concurring that and they've got a plan that they want to do next year to that measure. Now, it's not going to necessarily be at all 404, but they'll be able to control every light from the Bay Bridge to Ocean City. And, you know, by counting traffic and knowing what the bridge can handle volume-wise will trigger those lights to stay red longer to slow that traffic from getting here and getting bottlenecked, which is a great idea. I'm for that. So we've also talked about contraflow, contraflow westbound. Before, we couldn't do it because of the toll booths. The toll booths are gone now because when you come off of the eastbound bridge, you have to have enough room to get back and get onto the westbound side. So you could do contraflow on Sundays at the heavy times, maybe from noon to 6 p.m., run four lanes westbound. They do it in Virginia at 66. They use the shoulder. You drive on the shoulder, and they have the overhead lights, and the X means don't drive on the shoulder. Green means drive on the shoulder. You get up to Route 2, one lane peels off, three lanes go over to Seven River Bridge. This helps move the traffic. They've got to be able to try something, and in, 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 in right now we're getting nothing. We're getting, you know, we're getting, we're trying everything we can. Well, that's not making muster. You know, let me see something to write and let me see what you want to do. And, and, and again, if, you know, if we sit here and we're complacent, nothing will change. And I, I truly do believe that. So <laughs> that's what I'll be spending some time on, laughing and joking while you're golfing. <laughs> that's all I got. Anybody else? All done? Motion adjourned? Motion adjourned. Second. All in favor? Aye. Have a great evening.